And welcome back, sports fans. It's your it's your host, Mr. Coach Donnie Hess, back with another he- episode of Coach Donnie Hess's Sports Corner. And back with me again, my faithful co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Brad, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Donnie. It's going to be quite the episode today. We have got a lot to talk about, a lot of breaking news happening in the world of both soccer and Australian rules football, a lot of cool stuff going on in the NHL at the Stanley Cup playoffs in full force. So we got a lot to get going on. All right, I cannot wait. Let's hop into the game plan. And as he said, we've got a lot to get through. Start with football. So much going on. Europa League champion, Europa League final, Champions League preview, tons of news. We have managers stepping down. We have players leaving. And we have the MLS to look at, MLS round six to look at, hockey. The playoffs are absolutely in fuego right now. We have some series that are already over, some series that could be over as early as tonight and some off-season stuff including the draft lottery is set the draft both the expansion and the regular draft dates are set we will preview those really quickly and last but not least footy australia rules football round 10 is over wow what an interesting mind-bogglingly crazy round of footy some off new stuff that is going to affect this round and real quick tips of round 11 for this round of footy and last but not least our favorite brad's crazy stat of the week to end our episode let's get right into it this is a monster episode and right off the bat sir we have a europa league champion and Unfortunately, we both chose the wrong side as Villarreal take down mighty Manchester United. It took penalties. It took 21 penalties to finally decide it, but Villarreal wins 1-1, winning 11-10 in penalties. What a final we had for the Europa League final. Yeah, you got it. You said it right off the bat. We we both tipped that one wrong. So apologies to any Manchester United fans who will eventually be mad at us for jinxing jinxing their team. But yeah, I mean, this match had everything, didn't it? I mean, it was crazy back and forth. Manchester United really kind of controlled most of the match. Honestly, they they had the advantage in the possession about 60-40 in terms of possession. Um, but then, yeah, it came down to penalties and who would have believed Every single player on the field at the time ended up taking a penalty. The only one that didn't make a penalty kick was David De Gea. And he allows the goal early, and then he cannot stop a single penalty from any of the 11 players on the field, including the goalkeeper, John Marouli. And De Gea misses his penalty at the end, and Villarreal win. And they are not only Europa League champions this year, but they are Champions League bound next season as well. They qualify as Europa League winners. Manchester United, of course, already qualified due to the league. And yeah, I mean, credit to Villarreal. They stayed at it. And once it got to the penalty shootout, every single player, Donnie, literally all of them stepped up and slotted their penalty home. Man, it's, it's great to see this is a Villarreal team that is sitting, I think it's seventh in La Liga. So this team was not one that was expecting to get into the Champions League. So unfortunately, there may be a, there may be a team or two in some of the smaller leagues in Europe that are a little angry right now because this automatic qualifier for Villarreal has thrown a spanner in the works. But congratulations to the yellow submarine that is Villarreal. I had to admit their first goal was absolutely gorgeous. The, the curling cross into the center 
and buries it by De Gea, who barely moved. What an incredible game of football to watch. Congratulations, Villarreal. And not only do we get the Europa League final, but holy shnikes. I'm speechless with all of these changes. Let's go through it first. Italy, we have a coaching change. Who stepped down? The champion of Italy, the manager of the Italian champions, Antonio Conte, stepping down as the manager of Inter Milan just days after lifting the Scudetto. He is gone. And so not only that, but Donna, I'm going to throw it back to you. We've got another one literally just in the last couple of minutes, one out of Spain. Who's going there? Oh, we both were discussing this before. Zinedine Zidane, the the Real Madrid manager who came back for a second stint, has decided to call it quits for the second time. So again, Los Blancos are are in the mood to try to find a new manager. And and I got to say, with these two high-profile managers leaving, I mean – do, do we see either of these guys continuing to manage in the big European leagues, or do we find two newbies to take over these quite coveted managerial spots in Europe? Well, I mean, I guess if I could see one going to the other, I could potentially maybe, just maybe see Zidane going to Inter only because of the fact that they've just come off of a, a league title, going into the Champions League next year as a perennial threat, that roster is very strong, but that's one of the reasons why Conte left is because apparently there was issues with the higher ups at Inter Milan about how the team was going to be financed going forward and what the, what the transfer budget would look like. So I don't know. And then another one that I've also seen is that is the, will he or won't he with Ronald Kuman at Barcelona and whether he will remain with the club or not. And then apparently uh, Barcelona are considering Belgium manager Roberto Martinez as a possible alternative to Kuman. So potentially you could see Kuman leave as well and potentially take over at one of the other clubs. So we got a lot of interesting storylines and not only all this stuff, but we got the Euros coming up as well. And we could very well see a lot of interesting new storylines pop up during that. I mean, I remember going into the last world cup in 2018 with the Antoine Griezmann, question of whether he would go to Barcelona or stay with Atleti and then he decided to stay with Atleti but it took him until the tournament actually got underway to actually make that decision so even though that tournament's going to start up you know that we're going to be seeing a lot more changes well and the other crazy thing is is that's not it is we also find out that probably one of the most marquee goal goalkeepers in the entire world is now a free agent as Gianluigi Donnarumma from Milan has find himself without a contract. Contract talks have ended. And man, is this one of the biggest goalkeepers. But the thing is, I look at it, where is he going to go? Because most of the high profile, high caliber teams throughout Europe, they have a number one keeper. So where, where is Donnarumma going to end up? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I, I could think of potentially Barcelona as being a spot uh, with Marc-Andre Ter Stegen getting a little bit older in terms of age and not really having a big name number two. So potentially that in, in case they want to look in terms of finding a fresher keeper to go behind Ter Stegen. But 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It looks like Mike Magnon from Lille, the recently crowned French champions, is going to be taking over at Milan for Donnarumma as he was pictured at the at the headquarters of Milan on Tuesday. So it looks like AC Milan have their new goalkeeper sorted out. But yeah, that that's going to, I think that that's going to be the record goalkeeper signing in terms of Donnarumma, 22 years old and already established as one of the best keepers in the world. So that's definitely going to be another interesting storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah. And because it's like, I, I, I rack my brain for places to go. And it's like, I mean, I understand Ter Stegen, but I think Ter Stegen is still solid enough that I don't think he goes anywhere. As do I. You have Neuer at Bayern. You have Neuer at Bayern. You have Ederson at Man City. You have Allison at Liverpool. You have De Gea at Manchester United. He's the only one I'm kind of somewhat suspect. I mean, you've got Courtois, Real. You've got Courtois, Real Madrid. You've got um, oh, I can't remember his name at, at Juventus. I think it's the Pol- Buffon. Buffon and Chesney. Yep, Chesney. That was the one I was thinking of. I mean, Buffon's up. Buffon's up there, but I I don't know if he's he's the number one. My my only landing spot that I can kind of think of, but do they have enough money? Is PSG? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really the only one I can see that doesn't have the marquee keeper to potentially be there. But does PSG have the money to bring in a Donnarumma? Because I mean, AC Milan really was the best place for Donnarumma at this point because I I really don't see a place he's going to land where he's not going to have to take a massive pay cut to be able to play there. Well, that and he would probably end up having to go up against another keeper for the number one job, especially if what you were talking about, like like going into a position battle with the likes of a Neuer, a Courtois, a Ter Stegen, or any of those other players. Um, yeah, I, it's so tough to think of a potential landing spot for him. So it would be really interesting to see where he goes and whether or not he'll announce where he's going to go, kind of like what Antoine Griezmann did during the last World Cup and announce it during Euro 2021 with Italy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be quite interesting to keep an eye on on Mr. Donnarumma, 22 years old, but he's already got so many games under his under his belt. That is great. So we will end our we will end our Europa. We will go a little bit more. Not only did we have all of this news, but all of our champions of Europe have been crowned, and La Liga has finally been decided. And Atletico Madrid hold on after capitulating there for a while and Atletico hold on and win the title. And Suarez gets a little bit of redemption on Barca as he gets to hold the La Liga title and keeps Barca and Real Madrid from hosting, from hoisting that lovely trophy. Not only does he keep Barca and Real from lifting the trophy, but he scores the winning goal in the 67th minute. They go down early 1-0 at Valladolid, but then Correa and Suarez both with goals late in the second half to win the league, and they win the title once again. It's the second title for Atleti under Diego Simeone. And so it's one of these things where we always talk about Barca and Real Madrid and the constantly changing looks of their rosters, of their coaching staffs, of their sporting departments and all that. But Diego Simeone has been the picture of consistency there at Real Madrid. He and the entirety of the, the Atletico Madrid system has been able to really, re, relatively speaking, stay steady over the last couple of years. And it's been one of those things where it's a very rare but really nice to see model of consistency that they've trusted Simeone and they've trusted the players that he's brought in. And they've now won the La Liga title for a second time under Simeone. 
Yeah, just a great accomplishment. I mean, I think all of us went into the start of this year thinking you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, one of those big giants is going to win it. And the, the smaller giant in Atletico Madrid come out with the chocolates on the end of that. Congratulations, Atletico Madrid. And now that the domestic league is over, we now set our eyes on, on the Euros, which come up here in a few months. We will take a look at that later. Let's jump into it. The last game in all of Europe happens this Saturday, the Champions League final, the all-English Champions League final, Chelsea versus Manchester Manchester City. Let's take a look at it. What are your thoughts on this game? And, and let's, end, let's end your thoughts with who do you think is going to be the one hoisting the big-eared trophy after 90 minutes? I think the big question for me going into this game is how is Chelsea going to set up? We've seen so many variations of what Tuchel wants to set up with and the players that he wants to use, whether he's going to have Pulisic on at the start, whether he's going to start Kai Havertz, what's going to be of Olivier Giroud, Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech. How, what is the combination in the forward half of the field going to look like? And if he can pull the right buttons, if he can put the right players in, then I think that Chelsea are going to be in with a really good shot because they've been one of the hotter teams in terms of form in Europe over the last couple of months, with the, with the exception, of course, of this past Sunday when they lost 2-1 at Aston Villa. But I think it's going to really be interesting seeing how he sets it up. Is Christian Pulisic going to start? That's the big one for me. Of course, we all want to see the Americans do well. Zach Steffen, of course, is the backup keeper for Manchester City, so he recently got to get a Premier League winner's medal around his neck and we'll have to see whether or not he gets the Champions League medal around his neck too as Ederson's backup. Um, And then in terms of a prediction, I got to go with Manchester City, Donnie. I mean, they have just been so good all season long. They didn't have the greatest start, but once Liverpool kind of shriveled up a bit with injuries, they were able to just take off. And Guardiola has been able to pull the right strings all year long, not just over the course of the past couple of months. It's really been a, a full consistent year from Manchester City and I really think that the players that they have um, in terms of Mares, Torres, Phil Foden is another great one Um, and then of course Sergio Aguero his last game in a Manchester City shirt is going to be in a Champions League final and it, it was a couple of years ago that he famously said that he wants his last game as a Manchester City player to be in a Champions League final with him holding the trophy and it very well might happen. And who knows, we might, in, in a crazy world, end up seeing a bit of deja vu with a late goal from Aguero. Who, who would think that that'd be cr- quite a crazy coincidence? So um, I'm going to go with Manchester City by a score of three goals to one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be very close going into the latter stages of the match. Chelsea's going to be pushing forward toward the end. And then I think the Manchester City are going to get a late goal and a counterattack to kill off any hopes for Chelsea. So I'm going to go City three, Chelsea one. This game really for me is is I, I agree with you. How does Tuchel how does Tuchel set up his team? Does he set up offensively or does he set up defensively? Because that really I think is going to depict how this game goes. I think if he sets up offensively, I think this becomes a shootout. I think Manchester City has more weapons. I think Manchester wins City wins it four two. If Tuchel sets up offensively, say he plays his big forwards of Werner Pulisic. Ziesch and um, Kai Havertz. If he plays all four, he's going for it. 
which would be quite interesting to see how those two go because sometimes Manchester City sometimes can be gotten on the counterattack, which with those four could be quite could be quite dangerous. If Tuchel plays it a little cagey and he plays defensively a little bit, I think that's when the game gets really really interesting because can Chelsea soak up the pressure and then hit on the counterattack again. No matter how Manchester City plays, counterattacking football sometimes can bury them. That's why Liverpool have given them trouble sometimes because Liverpool is so good with, that, with those stretch-out passes and using pace towards the back. Now, Chelsea has that with Havertz, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Werner, no matter who's on the field. So I, I really am going to see how does Tuchel play this. Does Tuchel play it cagey a little bit and kind of put maybe maybe one more extra central midfielder, almost a center defensive midfielder, in the middle with Conte to potentially kind of shut down the, the delivery to De Bruyne and Foden and some of those guys in the middle, which I think could even the game out. Then I think it's a 2-1 game. I agree with you. I think Manchester City, their firepower, the way they're playing currently is, is one of the best in Europe. Plus, I also look at it too, as Chelsea just dropped that game to Tottenham over the week, and Chelsea did not look good against Aston Villa over the weekend, which I think you need positive momentum going into a Champions League game. So I think Manchester City played really, really well. They win the title. Aguero gets his swan song on that, gets two goals coming on late. I agree with you. I think Manchester City wins it, but I think the game, how it ends – depends on Tuchel if Tuchel sits defensively I think it's a closer game because I think they're able to soak up pressure a little bit more if he goes for it goes flat out I think then he gets blown off the park and this could become an ugly game by 75 minutes if he tries to go all out for it so so Tuchel will be the biggest decipher on that one but I I agree with you I think Manchester City hoists big ears and I agree with you I think Aguero goes out as, as as the champion of Manchester City and probably one of Manchester City's best players uh, that they've had don the light blue shirt. So let's jump from there. Europe, unfortunately, domestically is done, but thankfully domestically here in the States, it is just getting going. Round six is complete, sir. What are your thoughts? Some of these results look quite interesting. I got to I mean, what are your thoughts after this round six? Yeah, I think we're really starting to see who's for real and who isn't. I, I mean, I, I got to sh- throw some love to the New England Revolution once again. I, I, I bet on them over the weekend, and they got it done for me. Gustavo Bo, Tejan Buchanan, and Buxa all with goals. And I, New England are looking really good, Donnie. I mean, I mean they're really looking like they're going to be a tough team for anyone to play against. Uh, Seattle dropped points at home. They had a really tough matchup with Atlanta United and Atlanta were able to get a goal late with Joseph Martinez getting a penalty in the 86th minute. And it was a game where Atlanta were just battling to stay in it for most of the game, but they were able to just hold on and just fight and fight and fight. And they were able to get a point out of Seattle. And then I got to do it, Donnie sporting Kansas city, go to San Jose. And how about Alan Polito, huh? He, he looks so good, and it, it's so nice as a sporting fan to be able to finally see a player like Alan Polito who is just able to he, – he is the game changer that sporting fans have been waiting for for a long time, and he's living up to that $10 million price tag that was put on him. And Daniel Shallowy is really coming into form. He got a goal and an assist, 
and he's up to three goals on the season after scoring only once in 2019 and zero times in 2020. So Daniel Shalley looks like he very well might finally be coming back into form. And it's really good to see that, especially with the absence of Captain Johnny Russell due to injury. And then other results that caught my attention, a 2-1 victory for LAFC over Colorado is a tough team to play against all the time and a good win for them to kind of help get them out of the lower half of the standings. Philadelphia getting a road win 1-0 against D.C. United. And then Columbus on the road. Have you, did you see... Lucas Zellerion, two free kick goals to equal out and cancel Israel Tujori Shradi's goal in the first half for New York City. Zellerion is just an incredible player and a 95th minute winner for the defending MLS Cup MVP. So we're really starting to see a couple of the bigger name clubs come up and we're trying, we're starting to see just who, like I said, who's really fighting for it and who's going to be a little bit further behind in the races. Well, I know you, I, I know you said Seattle, Seattle drops points, but the best part is, is that they, they got to, they got to thank Portland a little bit too. They're, they're Cascadia rivals taking down LA galaxy three nil, which is great. And, and to go off your LAFC, the fact that Carlos Vela has come back and boom, Vegas in LA is right back on the winning. Yes, Carlos Vela didn't play the whole game, but he puts in a solid 56 minutes to be able to play. And LA gets a win over Colorado Rapids, kind of riding their ship a little bit. And it's cool to see it. Cincinnati FC goes on the road to Montreal and gets the win. You got to give them a little bit of kudos there. They can finally get three points on the board for Cincinnati FC. It may be another long season for them, but three points is three points. You got to take it and nashville also taking down austin one nil at home is another nice little win for a mid-table team that just wants to get some positive momentum going so again this this mls season is very early but i agree with you the the, the conferences are taking shape but you got to say this seattle gets a point out of it atlanta looks tough i think atlanta is getting back to what we kind of expected they may not be the gold machine that they were in previous seasons, but I think Atlanta is back to being a really tough team in the Eastern conference. So I think this was a really good game. This is a potential MLS cup style of game with a one, one draw. So a really good week of soccer here in the States. Let's jump from that. We'll go to round seven. Let's look at a few of these matchups and boy, oh boy, is Saturday. Do I see this? That Saturday is almost all of the games except for two are on Saturday. Let's take a look at some of these. Oh, I love this one at noon. New York Red Bulls versus Orlando FC, Orlando City in New York. That looks like a tasty game there. Cincinnati gets to host the Red Hot New England Revolution. That will be another good game. The across-the-country game, LAFC, New York City FC, that will be a fun one as well. And do I see this Sporting Kansas City versus Houston Dynamo? And I see they are at home, sir. Will you find yourself in the Kansas City Stadium watching that one? Unfortunately, I won't be at this game, but it's going to be very, very amazing to see a full-capacity crowd at Children's Mercy Park for the first time since our home opener last year, which was coincidentally against Houston so it'll be very awesome to get to see the entire stadium full, the entire cauldron back in full voice, and it's going to be an awesome night in Kansas City for that one. And then 
The next day, we're going to get to see a U.S. men's national team friendly. They're going to be playing against Switzerland in San Gallen. So that's going to be a very interesting one to watch to see how that team looks in shaping up for the Nations League, which is going to be coming up with the semifinals before our next recording. And then the final coming up after the USA is going to be playing Honduras. So that's going to be a very good game. And then if they win, they'll play the winner of the Mexico versus Costa Rica semifinal. Those two games are going to be played at the Denver Broncos field in Denver, Colorado. And then to finish out MLS on Sunday, we got two really nice matchups on FS1 starting at six o'clock. It's going to be Philadelphia union hosting Portland Timbers at Subaru park, which is going to be a very, very interesting matchup. Can Portland get back on the winning train with another win against a very tough Philly team. And then Seattle is going to be facing the fighting McConaughey's of Austin FC at 8.30. So that's going to be an interesting one. Can Austin go to a very hostile Lumen field and get a result against the Seattle team, which kind of is going to be feeling like they kind of deserve three points against Atlanta and maybe looking to prove a point against a lower caliber in their eyes expansion team. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that one wraps up the, the match deck. Yeah, that will be fun. Another exciting round. Plenty of great matchups. But I think, sir, I think that is going to do it for our football section of the podcast. Let's jump to hockey. Holy shnikes. One week is down, and we have three teams moving on to the second round. Two sweeps, and one sweep that I did not see coming. One I did. Let's, let's go into the one I did. Colorado Avalanche, as I said last week in our podcast, looked absolutely electric playing the Blues, and they did not disappoint. Sweeping the Blues in four games, including a 5-2 win in game four on the Blues' home ice. Man, this Colorado Avalanche team looks like they are absolutely in fuego. But I'll bring this, I'll bring this topic up really quickly because it'll kind of go off our next one. As much as sweeps are awesome because you see a team be so dominant, unfortunately in the NHL playoffs, sometimes I think the sweep is one of the worst things because now Colorado has to wait for the Golden Knights and Wild winner to be decided. And if, as of recording tonight, they play game six tonight. And if Minnesota wins tonight, they go to game seven. It could be almost a week before Colorado gets to play their next opponent. I mean, Am I weird for thinking that sometimes a sweep is a bad thing in the NHL playoffs because you can potentially allow rust, some some lack of cohesion to get into your team when you're going into another the next round of the playoffs? You're not you're not crazy for thinking that at all, and you know that actually happens in a in a couple of other sports too. I, I when I think of that, I always remember, this is a weird example, but I go back to 2007 when the Colorado Rockies made their first World Series. Back then, they ended up, they swept through the postseason, the wild card, the, the division series, and the pennant series. They won every single game, eight out of eight. And then going into the World Series, like you, like you were just saying, the other series went seven games. And they had to wait nearly a week and a half to two weeks to be able to face the Boston Red Sox in the World Series. And then they got swept. The, the Rockies got swept. So that's definitely something that is real and not only in the NHL, but also in MLB and NBA as well. Um, I think where the Avalanche will benefit is the fact that they are so talented, that they are so stacked in terms of their roster. 
Uh, they won the President's Trophy for a reason. I mean, they were just so good over the entire course of the year that I don't think that they'll be – I don't think that they will be a team that acquires that rust that you're talking about. But that point is completely valid, and it's definitely a concern to have. But they were able to outscore the Blues in four games by a combined score of 20-7, to seven, including 10-3 to three in St. Louis. So that's definitely one of those series that you look at and go like, wow, one of those teams is definitely a complete class above the other. And then let's go ahead and jump to that other one that you were talking about, the other sweep. And I, I, I think I called this one. I think I called the Winnipeg Jets knocking the Edmonton Oilers out. I did not see it coming in four games, Donnie. I mean, three consecutive overtime games to finish off that series, including a wild game three in which the Jets staged a three-goal comeback in the third period followed by Nikolai Ehlers' goal in overtime to win, and then a triple overtime game on Monday night to win the series, four goals to three on the night in game four. So these Winnipeg Jets are looking really good right now, and it's not against any any old team. It's against the Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl-led Edmonton Oilers. So that's a statement victory by the Winnipeg Jets in that series, isn't it? Yeah, that four that four game series there definitely they put a marker down that they they are ready they are ready for the next round and, and potentially a matchup with the Toronto Maple Leafs I think will be an absolutely amazing series because the Jets look like I mean we had kind of mentioned it in our preview of this is that the Jets look like they may have made out like the better part of the Line A and Pierre Luc Dubois trade because they're just absolutely playing incredible hockey. You come in, you beat a high-powered, highly skilled Edmonton Oilers team, beating them four times, including twice on their home ice. Never an easy thing to do. And the last series that is already over, and this one, I agree, kind of like you, I was not expecting this series to be as short as it was as the Boston Bruins drop game one to the Washington Capitals and then proceed to take the next four and all of them in, in most of them, the first three games of this series all go to overtime, but the final two, both the Capitals only get one and the Bruins put up three and four. So the Bruins are what I thought they were a difficult, difficult team to play against and to knock out the defending one of the defending champs in the last three years, the Washington Capitals, is an impressive statement as they now get ready for the winner of the New York Islanders and Pittsburgh Penguins series. Yeah, and this is one where you, you kind of hate to see it for Zdeno Chara, captain of the Bruins for almost 10 years, leaves the team, and then immediately in the very next season gets knocked out of the playoffs in the first round by the Bruins. But this is one of those things, kind of like you, what you were saying is that you can never take the Boston Bruins lightly in the playoffs. I mean, they just, they're always there. They're always a pesky team to play against. They're always very, very tough. You always hate playing against Brad Marchand. And you used to hate playing against Zidane and Charlie. He's not there anymore. Um, Charlie McAvoy was a beast in defense for Boston. I mean, he was all over the place, involved in just about every single key moment of this series. And then there were just so many key moments in those first three games. I remember I watched each of those first three games at some point. And it it was one of those things where it was like hanging on a knife's edge. You were like, okay, who's going to get the goal? Who's going to, who's going to be able to take advantage and who's going to be able to get the win. And it was just such a joy to watch. I mean, this is the joy of playoff hockey, isn't it? I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's always just on the verge of going one way and then the other way and then one way and then the other way. So 
I think that I think it took me like six or seven games of watching the playoffs on TV before I got one that didn't go to overtime or that wasn't a one goal game. And that that's just that's just part of the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs is that all these teams are just so good and so stacked that we can have these types of games. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and that's absolutely in just wow what a series i mean the first three games all go to overtime so many of these games go to overtime i i have to say it the ot winner in the nhl in the nhl playoffs is always one of the coolest things especially a home one because now that we're starting to see the occasional fan the occasional fans at the games the eruption when that overtime goal goes in for a home game is absolutely electric you cannot you cannot describe it. There, oh, there yeah. are not good enough words to describe the winner. Let's jump into a few of the series that are still going. Currently, as we speak, game six is on right now. It is 2-2 as I speak to you right now in a 3-2 lead series for the New York Islanders with a chance to knock out the number one Penguins here as the as the Islanders find a way to have taken two games in Pittsburgh with a chance to end it at home, I, I know it's two two. It's still in the first period, so this seems like a game that might be a goal fest. Do we see the Islanders knock out the Penguins, or do the Penguins get it to Game Seven on Friday? As much as I want to see the the amazing Stanley Cup Final Game Set Stanley Cup Playoffs Game Seven. I feel like the New York Islanders are going to win tonight. I, I, I felt the whole series like the Islanders of that. They might not necessarily be just as, as good talent wise as the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they're just so good at being able to stick around in games and kind of like in game five, the, the other night we were talking about it, um, that they were outshot by, I think almost 20 shots in that game. But then they just got that one lucky play where they got the goal, goaltender error by Jari, and they were able to, to score the winning goal off of it. And they're just such – kind of like what I was talking about the Bruins, that they're such a pesky team that you can't ever get rid of them, that they're always right there and they're always fighting. And the, every single game in that series apart from one has been a one-goal game. The only one that wasn't was a 4-1 Islanders win. But other than that, the Islanders have been right there the whole time. So – if, if I'm being honest, Donnie, I, I think that the Islanders are going to win tonight. They're going to use the Nassau advantage. I think that they're going to actually get it done tonight. Well, we will keep an eye on that. Unfortunately, we will not be able to discuss this until next week because this game probably will end before we get done with our recording tonight. Let's jump to one of the other of the two games played tonight. Game six in the battle for Florida. The Tampa Bay Lightning win the first two in Florida. The Panthers get game three, but the Lightning win game four. The Panthers find a way to finally win one at home. So we're back in Tampa, game six tonight. Do the Lightning send Florida home, or can Florida find a way to get it back to their home arena for game seven on Friday night? I think that the Lightning are going to win tonight. I think that everything that they've that they've got, and all the players that they have, I think, are going to be enough to knock off Florida. But we got to give some love to Spencer Knight, the the 20-year-old goaltender for Florida. I mean, he came up so huge in Game 5 for the Panthers. They, they've kind of gone through through the entire list almost of goaltenders. They had Bobrovsky in there for a little while. They had their backup in. Now they've got Knight in on 
for game five. So I think that it's going to finally run out of luck in terms of the goaltending changes for Florida. I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning, with the home ice advantage, with all the amazing players that they have, I think that they're going to be able to pull this off. What do you think, Donnie? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I as much as I love watching the Panthers play because they're a speedy, quick team. I think this this veteran Lightning team is that I think they're just going to have a little too much in all the right places. I think Spencer Knight was absolutely out of his mind, but trying to do that three times in a row is, is really, really difficult. And he had to do so much work just to keep Tampa from scoring. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I think the Panthers season comes to an end tonight. I think the lightning get it done. And I didn't tip the last one. I agree with you. I think the Islanders with their defensive system and the way they've been playing team hockey, I think they also end Pittsburgh's season tonight. Let's jump to the last series game playing tonight. And that is eight o'clock our time. And that is the Las Vegas and the Golden Knights versus the Minnesota Wild. We're going to game six because the Wild found a way to steal the win in Vegas to get it back to XL Energy Center in Minneapolis. Did the, did the Wild break the streak of teams winning game six or do the Golden Knights send themselves to a matchup with the Colorado Avalanche? I'm I'm going game seven here, Donnie. I think that the Wild are going to get it done tonight. I think that the I think that Erickson Eck has been a very very electric player for the Minnesota Wild, and I think that he's going to get two goals tonight. And I I think that I think Cam Talbot's going to kind of re- rebound after a couple of couple of bad games in Las Vegas, but I, I think that I think the Wild are going to win tonight. I. I it's just such a tough one to call because the Golden Knights look a bit better, but the Wild are just kind of like what I was talking about with Boston and New York. They're really, really tough. And sometimes toughness in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs can win you individual games. I'm not saying it's going to win them the series, but I think that they're going to be able to use the home ice advantage. I think that they're going to push this to a game seven. Uh, I think that we're going to have one of the famous nights in, in NHL uh, a playoff game seven, and they're they're always the ones that you want to watch. I I am I am completely with you on this. I I liked the way the Wild looked in Game Five. I thought they really got they really got on the Knights. Yes, when the Knights scored, but they didn't get rattled. And the one thing I got to give this Wild team, the way I've seen it is, is they play a lot like the New York Islanders. They're not the flashiest team. They don't. They're not the superstar laden team, but they just play solid, good hockey. They get after you. They forecheck hard. They, and, I, and I like the way Talbot has played in the playoffs. Yes, he had two iffy games in Minneapolis. Those will happen occasionally. Talbot has not been a massive um, playoff goaltender, but I think he really rebounded in game five. I think he's got a lot of confidence. Zach Parise coming in after being a healthy scratch through several of the first games and finding a way to get a big win in game five. I think this gives a lot of them, a lot of momentum on the wild side. I agree with you. I think the wild push this to game seven, which will be awesome Friday night to watch a game seven between these two really good hockey teams. We will jump to Thursday's games. There are only two more series left. Let's jump to the, to the, the, the series of the South, the Carolina Hurricanes 
will be going to Nashville with a chance to end the series after winning a thriller in overtime over the Predators 3-2 game six. Can the Hurricanes go to Nashville and break the home curse, or do we see a game seven because the Predators take down that home ice like they have the previous two games? They've allowed both of these arenas to open up to near full capacity or to full capacity. And I was watching game five last night, and oh my goodness, the atmosphere in Carolina was just absolutely incredible. And that's exactly what us American sports fans and global sports fans have missed is the full house and the playoff atmosphere that we got to see last night. And I think that the home ice is going to serve Nashville well. I think we're going to see a fourth consecutive overtime game. I think the Preds win, and I think we're going to see a game seven on Saturday in Raleigh. I I really like the Predators. And the home team, like I was saying, has used home ice very well. Um, the Hurricanes got the first two. The Predators were able to nab two off the Hurricanes in overtime in Nashville, in double overtime in both those games. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to a game seven. I, I really like Nashville's chances tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm with you on this one. I, th- I think Nashville has played really, really well at home. They've been – I think – Oh man, the goaltending has been really good by both these young goaltenders. I've I've been amazed to see the, the goaltending. Yes, you they've put both these teams have put up tons of goals, but the goaltending has been absolutely electric in this series. I cannot wait for it. I agree with you. I think the Predators get this to game seven, which will make Raleigh hopping on Saturday night to host game seven of that series. And the last series we still need to talk about, it's only five games in, but we are close to the end. Toronto will play Montreal on Thursday with a chance to end it. They're up three to going back home for the game at Air Canada Center. Do the Maple Leafs end this series after the slight hiccup in game one? Or can the, Ma- or can the Canadians get it back to Montreal in game six? I think the Leafs are playing inspired hockey right now. I think after Tavares went down in game one, it was a bit of a shock in the system for them. And I think that ever since then, they've been playing like a team on a mission. They've outscored Montreal 11 to two in the last three games, including a four, nothing win in game four in Montreal. So I think going back to home ice, having the better all around team, having more natural scores, having a bit more energy, almost it seems like than Montreal. I I think that the thing that's, kind of kept him in it a little bit more has been Carey Price. I mean, he really is as good as they say he is. But I, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be able to get it done tomorrow night, and then it's going to set up a really tasty matchup in the North Division final with Winnipeg. I think it's going to be Toronto and Winnipeg there. I think right. game five will go to the Maple Leafs. Yeah, and the other crazy thing is is to see some of the some of the veterans on this Maple Leafs team that they brought in to kind of help Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner Seeing Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza have really good series. I think both of those very cagey veterans have played really, really well in that series. I agree. I think the Maple Leafs get it done at Air Canada Center, and they welcome the Winnipeg Jets in what I think will be a dandy North Division final. And that, sir, will do it for the NHL playoffs. Let's jump to it. There has been a few off-season discussions. The the um, The draft lottery has been set for June 2nd and we will see, we will see who gets the number one overall pick, which will be just the nice tester as we welcome the Seattle Kraken into the NHL. 
as they will find out what their first ever NHL draft pick will be. They have the third highest, third highest chances in the draft. So they will be behind the Buffalo Sabres. And I can't remember who is the number two team when it comes to odds for, um, I'm scrambling here, Brad. <laughs> I'm trying to find it too. I, I, it, when, I hate it when my, my thing just resets on me. Anaheim Ducks. Yep. So, so it'll, it will be the Sabres with the best chance, unfortunately. And the Anaheim Ducks followed by the Kraken and the third place team in the NHL. I cannot wait for it. And then as soon as that is done, the next big offseason thing will be the expansion draft. I mean, Vegas had a great time. I mean, are you excited to see the Seattle Kraken have their expansion draft and to see the Seattle Kraken start next season? For anybody that that ever likes to play video games and like create their own teams and pick their own players, I mean, this is literally like fantasy football or fantasy basketball or fantasy hockey in real life. You're literally creating a team from scratch, and it's it's so fun. And I remember watching that Golden Knights expansion draft, and they did it in front of a crowd in Vegas during the draft, and you could see the reaction, the live reaction from the people in Vegas as they picked the players. And I remember when Marc-Andre Fleury was selecting, he came out and was introduced to the crowd. It was just such a cool moment that they got to see their first real big name player get selected and wearing the new Jersey and all that. Uh, I think it's so cool. And it's, it's really fun to see who gets picked, how the team starts to shape up. And then after that, going into the future features draft, and that's going to be very fun to see, what young player the Seattle Kraken take and then going into October, they're going to, they're going to release the Kraken on the entire league. And we'll have to see the, the standard set by the golden Knights a couple of years ago is very, very high. And we'll have to see how they can live up to those expectations. Yeah. And that'll be, that'll be really, really fun. I don't know if they're going to be able to get a massive crowd in Seattle for that, but that will be really cool. I remember the Vegas one and for them to get Mark Andre Fleury and to be able to have him walk out in the Jersey was incredible. I think the, the people of Seattle have been begging for a hockey team. They finally get it. I cannot wait. I, I must say, I, I probably want to try to find a way when that first game is played in Seattle, I'm going to try to watch that because that is going to be absolutely incredible i cannot wait the 32nd team in the nhl i'll tell you what donnie we're, we're gonna have to see just how many uh kraken jokes and marketing spiels and ridiculous kind of kraken things are going to be set up by this team it's it, it's it's a unique name it's such a fun name and it's going to be it's going to be interesting just seeing everything uh, that they, they ought to try and get uh, wonderful pistachios to, to be a, to be a sponsor, wonderful pistachios, get Kraken and all those mm-hmm. types of things. And then Kraken rum and all that. Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's so fun. It, it's going to be very interesting. And just imagine if they make the Stanley cup final, not, not necessarily in their first year, but just whenever the Kraken make the Stanley cup final, just the outrageous response that they're going to get, uh, that the Kraken are being released into the final. I mean, that, that just be insane. So it's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah. Cannot wait for that. Unfortunately, we have a little ways to go and I think that is going to end it for, end it for our NHL section. Let's jump to it down to the footy. 
my gosh, round 10, if it couldn't get any more interesting, it, it found a way this weekend. Let's jump right into it. Round 10, first game of the first game of the round sees a somewhat of a surprising final score, but not the winner as the Brisbane Lions take down the Richmond Tigers in the GABA by 28, 102 to 74. And man, this Brisbane Lions team are absolutely in fuego and Richmond could not have gotten Brisbane at the worst possible time. Yeah, and this result now sees after the after the match day, it sees Richmond outside the eight and Brisbane up to number four, right above Port Adelaide and right below Geelong. So yeah, like you said, they are in fuego. And the the result at the end was a little bit skewed by a late quarter run in the third by the Tigers to get up to around a twenty and eventually a, a more around of a thirty or forty point lead that ended up being a twenty eight point victory. But yeah, I mean, this Brisbane team just looks so good right now. Hipwood with four goals, Bailey with four goals, 28 disposals for Zorko, 27 for McCluggage. I mean, they, they're getting all of their stars looking really, really good right now. And the scary thing is Lockie Neal's been hurt for the last couple of weeks, and he's still on the bench. So they've gotten all these big wins without Lockie Neal. And to think that, they, that this Brisbane team looks this good without him just makes it even scarier to think of what they're going to look like now that they're in form with him in the team. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the two most informed teams right now in the competition have to be the Western Bulldogs and the Brisbane lions. And when those two meet, it will be outstanding. I cannot wait for that. Let's jump to it. Game two at the MC GC's Carlton take down the Hawthorne Hawks by 23, 86, 63, and the Hawks' dismal season just continues as Carlton gets back on the winning track. And Sam Walsh continues to be an absolute superstar with 30 disposals in this game. He was a little bit of everywhere as really Hawthorne really did not put up much of a fight. They only had one time in the entire game that they actually lead this as Carlton led this for most of the game. Yeah, and you're talking about Walsh with 30 disposals. Well, let's take a look here. Tom Mitchell had 44 disposals, which is absolutely crazy. He was really trying to do everything for Hawthorne. The next closest guy in terms of disposals was, was Jarman Impey with 24. So when you have one guy with 20 more disposals than the next closest guy, I mean, that just goes to show that the entire team – in, in effect, runs through one guy. And, yeah, for Carlton, we, we're, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, that they were really looking for something to just be a bit of a spark plug for their season. And they got a Hawthorne team that has been just dismal and out of form and every, every descriptive word you want to use for bad that you could throw at them. But, yeah, they, they got Hawthorne at the right time, and this is a perfect night for Carlton to kind of try and right the ship a little bit. They're now up to four and six, so they still got a ways to go in terms of attempting to get into a spot to make the finals. But this is definitely a, a result that they needed to have. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Let's jump down to it. The next game sees the Geelong Cats take down the Suns at Cardinia Park. And this really was a game where Geelong took the lead early 
and they never really ever surrendered it. The Suns, they, they stayed in this game. I, I think they kept this game much, much closer than I think a lot of people thought it would be considering midway through the third quarter, it was less than two goals. So this Suns team, I mean, they can play with the big boys, but I think they just kind of ran out of steam. And when you've got guys like Cameron and Hawkins and Rowan, they, they're just so, so hard to stop. And the Suns just could not hold on to that avalanche much longer. The Cats get another win, continue their hot streak, and the Suns continue to struggle up on the Gold Coast. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a couple of big players away from being a regular threat to the big boys. Um, so you're going to need a Matty Rowell getting healthy and being able to stay healthy for a consistent period of time. And then you're going to need a couple of other big players to come in and kind of set a veteran presence, a talented presence within that Gold Coast list in order for them to really compete. And for Geelong, not necessarily the biggest win. Um, it's a 34-point win in the end, so it's a good result for them. But I, I feel like they're going to be they're going to feel a little bit disappointed that they didn't take more control and kind of really own the game a little bit more than they did. But it's a good result for them. They they keep their hot streak going. They're still in third place on the ladder, so they're definitely in good shape. Yep, and we jump to it. The next game sees one of three games this weekend that were decided by two points or less. And the shocker happens as the Adelaide Crows knock off the Melbourne Demons 96-95. My gosh, the roar of the Adelaide Oval when the final siren hit and the Crows had won. Boy, was it spectacular to listen to. But unfortunately, controversy again strikes a really good game as the umpires maybe missed a deliberate out-of-bounds play by an Adelaide Crows player with only seconds to go. Sir, this is the third time this year that an umpire's decision may have changed the result of a game. Is it getting as frustrating, or does it keep you interested that these games keep happening? Well, I'll tell you what. It's interesting that these three decisions that you're talking about have affected teams in the top eight and I mean let's just think about it for a second if if the if the Brisbane call went Brisbane's way and they got the kick and got the goal then they would be up into third over Geelong and then if Geelong had gotten the call that they were complaining about against Sydney then they would have had an additional four points so Geelong and Brisbane would each have more points than they do right now or well, I guess Geelong wouldn't because of a because of the switch with Brisbane. But then, yeah, and then Melbourne has that call go against them and and potentially cost them a chance to still be ten and zero heading into their big shout big big match on Friday night against the Western Bulldogs. So it, it's really interesting that the these calls are not just happening in, in games that are just between mid table or bottom table teams. It's just like oh whatever swept under the rug. I mean these are. These are calls and these are results that are not only are they at the end, the very ends of games, but they're happening at the very ends of one goal games. I mean, like, I mean, what the Brisbane Geelong game was decided by less than a goal. The Sydney game was decided by less than a goal. And then the Melbourne game was decided by one point. So it's, it's unfortunate that these decisions are happening to teams that are in the eight right now, potentially affecting the, the order of teams. And, and deciding if teams will end up getting 
to play in qualifying finals or elimination finals toward the end of the season. But it's also disappointing that we're kind of, in a way, taking away from a great performance by the Adelaide Crows. I mean, 96 points against a Melbourne team that has been undefeated the whole year is just fantastic. And like you were saying, the Adelaide crowd was just incredible. And the, the tension inside that building during the last couple of minutes, it was palpable. I mean, it was so close for so long. And then Tex gets the late goal. And it, it's a great result for Adelaide. We'd been talking about them being a bit of, a, of, a, of an early season hit, then a mid-season drop-off. But they get the big win against Melbourne. And now you have to wonder if the result for Melbourne is going to affect their matchup against Western Bulldogs going into Friday night footy this week. So it's going to be very interesting seeing how Melbourne bounces back. Yeah, this was just an incredible game. Yes, yes, it's marred a little bit. But again, I'm one of those. I also look at it too. Is my The biggest argument that I hear all these times, one time this is going to cost a team a finals. Well, if you really look at it, all three of the teams that have happened to are quite solidly in the finals as we speak so right now um i'm not gonna panic too much again this umpiring is never easy it's never an easy job and it's becoming so much harder because of the bang bang plays that happen yes it it stinks sometimes to maybe think that the result may have been a tiny bit different but in the long run the referees can't change their minds they can apologize all they want after once they figured out that they have done it wrong but unfortunately the four points are not going to be exchanged so we really just kind of have to let it go it kind of stinks but let's let's we got to just kind of move on from that but but well done by Adelaide. I mean, an incredible Tex Walker ice in his veins to bury that late to give his Crows the lead. And this really puts the Crows back on a positive pass to maybe potentially fight up there and maybe be in contention to, to slip into the eight, maybe later in the season. Let's jump from there. We go to the close, one of the closest games of the round to by far the ugliest game of the round as the Western Bulldogs Hand St. Kilda a 111 point loss, 144 to 33. I mean, right now I feel so sorry for this St. Kilda supporters because this is the fourth game where they have lost by nine goals this season. And to see the utter destruction of your team for the fourth time this season has to be wearing thin on the St. Kilda supporters. Well, not only that, but they were a team that many people thought were going to be contending for a final spot this year on the back of getting into the finals last year. So yeah, this is definitely a St. Kilda team that is, that is very much looking for somewhat of an identity and they're, they're trying to find the correct players. Yes. They've been hit by a lot of injuries, but it almost just seems like the effort in in a lot of these players is just not there. And you're seeing a lot of times where it just looks like they're just trying to run around, finish the game, get in the shower, and head home. Because they, it almost seems like they don't want to be there. And their percentage right now, they're ranked 14th on the ladder in terms of, of points uh, ahead of only Gold Coast, Collingwood, Hawthorne, and North Melbourne. But their percentage is only 72.6, and they're down in 17th in that respect, only above North Melbourne, who are 1-9. and nine. So when you see, like you were saying, these multiple games where they've lost by nine goals, it's just a very disappointing stat for St. Kilda. But it just also shows the, the high amount of class that the Western Bulldogs have, 
all the amazing players that they have in McRae, Bontempelli, Naughton, and all these guys. It's going to be tough going into the matchup against Melbourne, given the fact that Adam Chalor is now going to be out for a couple of weeks. He was injured with an, with an injury, and so now he's not going to be playing in that matchup against Melbourne. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to replace him and how the midfield looks. But they just look so good, don't they? I mean, they have so many weapons. And like you were saying, they're one of, if not the most informed team in the competition right now. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Let's jump out to Optus Stadium where, sir, our eyes were glued as Frio take on the Sydney Swans. And Frio edges out the Swans late with a two-point win. Darn you, Nat Fife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm absolutely <laughs> kidding. An incredible game of footy. This was wet weather footy, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, the Swans did not get the chocolates in this game, but I thoroughly enjoyed it because you saw two absolutely amazing performances by the previously mentioned Nat Fife and Lance Buddy Franklin. The Big Bud is back. Six goals kicked by the Big Bud as he now averages seven goals in games he has played at Optus. He kicked eight in his first ever game. He kicked six here, 14 goals in two games. Not a bad return. Yes, you don't get the win, but you got to be happy as a Swans fan to see Buddy absolutely on fire in this game. Yeah, he, he's really looking good, and it looks like he's really getting his form back, and that's great to see. Um, what wasn't good to see was a really – complete capitulation in the third quarter you go from being at you go from being at nine goals three at halftime to at three quarter team three quarter time being nine goals four so you're completely outworked out kicked out handballed out ran in the third quarter and it just goes to show that in like in any sport you have to play a complete game in order to win and especially against a team like Frio with players like Nat Fife, with players like Rory Lobb, who just went crazy with four goals for himself, Schultz with two, and then, of course, Nat Fife at the end gets the snap and the goal to win the match for Frio. He breaks his goal-scoring hoodoo, so he gets the goal there. But, yeah, like I was saying, it's one of those things where you have to think that if Sydney was able to – to put in a little bit better of a third quarter that they would have been home in this game. But it, credit to Frio. I mean, you you called before the season that they were going to be a surprise finals team this year. And I was kind of kind of wrapping that up and throwing it under the rug a bit as a bit of a pipe dream. But this is a this is a Frio team that is really, really tough. They're sitting right behind the Richmond Tigers in the table right now. So they're going to be a very tough team to play against for anybody going forward. And especially at Optus, they're looking really good right now. And then going into next week, they're going to have another big matchup for themselves. So it'll be really interesting to see how Frio goes on. This really is a Frio team. And I remember I was interacting with some Frio fans on Twitter. And I remember saying, I said, if Frio could just find a way to win a game or two on the road, they can make the finals because you can bear you can't beat them at Optus Stadium right now. They have only lost one game to Optus Stadium, and who did they play? The West Coast Eagles. They've lost one game at Optus Stadium. All the other interstate teams that have come to Optus that have played the Frio Dockers have lost. 
This is not a bad loss for the Swans. Yes, an absolutely atrocious third quarter. You get outscored 25 to 1 in the third quarter. But for you to stay in that game after being absolutely trounced and to still have a chance to win it late, you got to give the young Swans a little bit of credit because they didn't fold. They could have let that third quarter kill them, and the fourth quarter could have been even more of a roller coaster. So I got to give the Swans a little bit of credit. Yes, it stinks to lose a game here because. Now the people in now the people in the in the media are saying, well, the Swans are the Swans are susceptible. They're 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 the weakest of the teams in the eight. No, they played a really good Frio team in a wet weather game, put up 84 points on a really good defensive team. Buddy plays really, really well on the road, and you're still not at your best 22, considering Errol Gluden and Braden Campbell are out with stress injuries that will see them out at least another month. I got to give it. The Swans team is deep. They're playing well. I am not too concerned with this loss. This is a this is what we would consider a good loss. Not that you want them, but it's a lot better than some. Let's jump back. We will fly back to Sydney, where another New South Wales versus Western Australian team matchup as we see the GWS Giants prove me wrong. Prove both of us wrong. Exactly. As they find a way to beat the West Coast Eagles who continue to show that you cannot trust them when they go on the road unless they are playing North Melbourne or Hawthorne on the road. You just can't tip them. The Giants win it by 16, 93-77. No Toby Green. But the man, the myth, the legend that is the mummy, Shane Mumford, comes in. And boy, do the Giants love seeing him in the lineup as they are 5-0 and with the big mummy. And did you see the mummy get up and take mark of the round in this game? Oh, my goodness. Donnie, I, I got to do it again. I mean, I did it once, and I, I just got to go on a little bit of a satirical tirade here. Of every time we try and say that the Eagles are going to do well interstate and they prove us wrong again, there's the Perth Eagles and then there's the entire rest of Australia Eagles. And it's, it's a little bit frustrating as a tipper, but um, no, in all honesty, it's a great performance by GWS and they've, they're, they've put themselves now into the eight as it stands there on percentage right above Richmond, even though they lost to Richmond a couple weeks ago. So they're right now in the eight. And I said before the year that they were going to be a tough team and that they were going to be in the finals as a bit of a rebound year, but they're, they're looking really good. And even though they've lost Canelio for a little while, that green's out now with an injury, they're looking like they have the weapons there to be able to put up at least a very good fight. And it's a really good win for them over a very tough West coast team. So credit to GWS, they got it done. And for the Eagles, I mean, once again, I said it, the, the Perth Eagles, and then there's the, the rest of Australia Eagles, and the rest of Australia Eagles definitely showed up in Sydney. Uh, just It's sad to see such a great team continue to struggle on the road, and it will only guarantee that people will doubt them come the finals if they make it unfortunately we jump to it we go from a horrible performance by the west coast eagles to a game that quite frankly was difficult to watch at times as port adelaide go into the mcg and squeak out a one-point win over the hopeless magpies 59 58 i'm not sure if i want to talk too much about this game because oh man 
Port Adelaide should have won this one by probably 30 or 40, and they just barely pull this one off. Yeah, this is definitely – you were talking about a good loss for Sydney. This was a bad win for Port Adelaide. I mean, as crazy as it is to say that, I mean, you're talking about a Collingwood team that we've talked about them all season has just been amongst the the bottom of the bottom tier teams in the entire AFL this season in terms of both on-field play, off-field um, shenanigans and all that stuff. So Collingwood are definitely a team that has not been anywhere close to where they should be this year. And the fact that they were leading this entire game up until the fourth quarter was quite stunning. And for Port Adelaide, that just goes to show that even if you're going interstate, if you're going to Melbourne or anywhere else in Australia, you've got to be up for it. Because when you're not necessarily completely up for it, you're going to be susceptible to losing. They were lucky to get the win in this one. Um, Like we said before the matchup, I, I think we both predicted that they were going to have fairly, relatively speaking, easier wins. But this just goes to show that you can never take any team lightly. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, and this is a Collingwood team that's just absolutely in shambles on and off the field. So if Port would have lost this one, man, the flat track bully explanation would have only exploded more. We jump into it, the last game of the round, a lot like the Western Bulldogs game. Essendon absolutely smacks down North Melbourne, 141-69. And I got to say, this, besides the, same, the, the, the Sydney Swans, the Essendon Bombers are becoming my favorite team to watch because they are absolutely electricity in a bottle right now. They're a really tough team, aren't they? And, I mean, we, we saw it when Essen played Sydney. I mean, they're, they're a very tough team to win, to win against. And they, they went and proved their quality against the north side that really, quite frankly, does not have much of it. Um, but this is a good win for Essen at Marble, and it's a, it's a stepping stone, you know. They, they got to start somewhere. And if they can keep going, if they can keep pulling off a couple of results in a row, then you never know. Essen might be, might be a team that could – potentially cause a little bit of trouble they got some tough games coming up um against the west coast eagles at optus stadium the act the optus eagles at that and then a matchup at the mcg against richmond at the Dreamtime matchup so that's gonna be a fun one to watch but yeah essendon are a very tough team and you can never take them lightly and for both the eagles and the tigers they're definitely gonna have to they're gonna have to show up for those games or else they could very well see themselves taking a loss in those yeah, this this was an incredible game. Just just seeing the young superstars for Essendon just continue to play well. They are going to be a tough out the rest of this year. They've still got some of the top teams still to play. So I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to seeing this Essendon team because I think they're going to scare a few teams if, if they continue to keep up the form that they are playing in. They just never are out of any game. Their offensive firepower to the max cannot Wait, now before we jump into our tips, um, because we are huge footy heads, we keep an eye on Australia a lot. And unfortunately, right now, the, the state of Victoria is in a little bit of flux as some newly found COVID cases are starting to multiply. And it is really throwing this AFL round, this round round 11 into a little bit of haywire as, as we are talking right now, the gold coast suns game that was supposed to be held up in Darwin 
right now with Hawthorne is postponed. We are not sure at this present point if they are going to play this game or not this round. Because both teams have a bye in round 12, many people are thinking that they will probably move that game to round 12 and they will not play that game, but that is still up in the air. So we will do our tips next but we will not be tipping that game because most likely that game will not be played to all of our, to any of our fans that, that you listen to it in Melbourne or in Australia at all. Please stay safe, take care of yourselves, do everything that you can. Both Brad and I being here in the States know all about this wretched disease. We're trying to take care of it. We need everybody to try to do their part when it comes to public health in this one. Yeah, this is one where, especially a game up in Darwin, it's always fun. I mean, I, I remember watching the uh, Making Their Mark documentary on a, uh, on Amazon Prime, and the, the atmosphere in Darwin, it was unique, it was different, it was really cool to get to see the matchup up there in Darwin. So it, it's always a fun one to be able to play up there. And then for Gold Coast and Hawthorne, I, I hope that their teams are staying safe and they're able to keep playing footy um within the within the club regardless of what's going on on the outside but yeah like you said for anybody in australia listening definitely make sure to take care of yourselves take care of others um take take other people's interests before your own be smart and make sure that everything gets contained and all that stuff so all the best for all those people Yep, our thoughts go out to all the people in Victoria. They're still fighting with it. Hopefully you guys can continue to kick its rear end as much as possible. Let's jump into it. We'll jump back into sport. Round 11, here we go. These tips, let's go through it. And man, oh man, do we get the great starter of it all. The Western Bulldogs down at Marvel hosting the Melbourne Demons. As we speak right now, there are still fans there, but this is still fluctuating. There is a possibility that there may not be fans because if any more cases come out, they're still up in the air. As I speak as of right now, if there is still supposed to be fans at the game, Marvel's roof will be open. So I think that will really affect this game. So knowing those facts, Brad, Marvel Stadium is open. Currently, currently still fans, 85% capacity as we speak. Western Bulldogs, Melbourne Demons, who's going to be at the top of the ladder by the end of this round? I'm going the doggies. I think the form that they're on right now and the list that they've got, I think it will be able to get them over the line. Yes, Melbourne have been fantastic all season. They've got a great young list, a great young core. They've got a lot of electric players on that team. But I really, really like the way that this Western Bulldogs team has played all year. Um, it's going to be a big matchup under the lights at Marvel. I think it's going to be a really interesting, fun game to watch. I, I think that the doggies are going to get over the line here, and I think they're going to be at the top of the ladder on 40 points. Yeah, I think that, that is going to be an absolutely outstanding game. I completely agree with you. It's The Western Bulldogs are just absolutely in fuego. Yes, they lose Chalor, but it sounds like they are going to keep – Almost everybody sounds like English will be back. So I, I think the dogs just have a little too much in the midfield. They just have so many guys that can go through there. Libertore and Bont versus Oliver and Petraka will be an absolute heavyweight match. I cannot wait for it. I think the doggies get this done, even with an open roof. I think the open roof will actually balance this game a little bit more towards Melbourne side, but I still think the doggies will get this one 
Let's jump to the MCG where Collingwood host the Geelong Cats. And as as much as I love chaos, I cannot see this. The Collingwood, you 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 just barely beat Port Adelaide. I don't think the Cats take you as lightly as Port Adelaide did. I think the Cats win this one, and I think the Cats win this one big. Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a, a statement win for Geelong. I think that Collingwood, like you said, they were lucky to play Port as close as they did. Um, I think the Geelong are going to use that as more motivation to make sure that they're on and that they're on fully. And I think that it might not be an enormous blowout, but I think it'll be a controlling win for Geelong. I think they're going to get the job done. Yep. So we jump back up. Let's hop up to Brisbane and the GABA as the Brisbane Lions host the newly in the eight GWS Giants. Do Brisbane go for seven in a row or does GWS continue to play spoiler? I like the form that Brisbane's on. I I said before the season that they were going to be a premiership contender, and I think that they're hitting all the right buttons at all the right times, and I think that they're going to keep it going. I think that if this game was at uh, Giants Stadium in Sydney, I think it'd be a closer game. I think GWS might be in with a bit more of a shout, but I'm going to go with Brisbane at the GABA. I think that they're going to get the job done. Yeah, that will be a fun one. I agree with you. I think Brisbane has just so much firepower. I think the Giants have really been beneficial of catching some teams at just the right time, but you are not catching Brisbane at the right time right now. I think this is a great game for the Lions to get another high-caliber team and knock them off. But this, I think this one, GWS will stay in this game. I, I really think they will. And let's see if Shane Mumford plays because let's see, does the Shane Mumford tradition continue or not. I'm, I'm still feeling the aftershocks of him landing from his mark of the year this year. Yeah. Got to have a little fun with the big man, big money. Oh, yeah. Uh, we jump down back to Marvel Stadium as St. Kilda host the hapless North Melbourne Ruse. St. Kilda gets waxed by 111. St. Kilda gets beat by 73. Who finds a way to right the ship? I think St. Kilda wins this one, but I think North Melbourne stays in it. I think North Melbourne gives St. Kilda a little bit of a scare. I think St. Kilda just has a tiny bit too much for them, but who knows this North Melbourne team has just been pesky. They've been tough. They've been gritty. I cannot wait for this game. If St. Kilda drops this one, I'm, I feel sorry for the St. Kilda supporters because this season is now completely done. Yeah, I think St. Kilda are going to get the job done here as well. I don't think that they're quite um, – I don't think they're quite down low enough in the category of a Collingwood, Hawthorne, North Melbourne where they're just completely hapless right now. Um, I think that the consecutive losses by huge amounts is going to be motivational for St. Kilda. I think, it, I think, like you said, it's going to be a bit of a close game. Uh, I think that St. Kilda has just – they have just the bare minimum – quality right now that you would need to beat North Melbourne. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think that the Saints will get it done. Yep. So, and as we said, Gold Coast Hawthorne right now is postponed. Um, so we will not tip this game just because at this present point, it does not look like it will be played uh, real quick. If, if they were to play this game, somehow they do get this game in this week, Gold Coast or Hawthorne. Uh, Gold Coast. I, I think that Hawthorne is just so down in the dumps right now. I think that Gold Coast, has the ability to go and be able to beat Hawthorne. Um, like we said, hopefully everything gets sorted out in terms of the COVID situation down there. But if they were to play, I would actually pick Gold Coast. 
and I, I'm right with you there. I got Gold Coast in that one too. Let's jump to it. As you call them now, the Perth Eagles make an appearance as they take on Essendon out of Optus Stadium. Does Essendon pull the upset and defy us again, or do the Perth Eagles continue their perfect record at home? I think that the Perth Eagles have been a bit of a of a surefire pick this season. So ever, I think every time I've picked West Coast at Optus, they've been able to get the job done. And like you said, I, I think that West Coast just have a little bit too much quality. Yes, Essendon are very pesky. And like we were talking about when they were playing Sydney and a couple of other big name teams, they've been really tough. Uh, but I think West Coast will be able to do the job. I think they'll win this one fairly easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm simple. West Coast at home, you can't tip against them anymore. Essendon is a young team that occasionally be inconsistent. I'll go with the Eagles on this one. And to a very intriguing one that right now seems to be a little bit up on the rocks, a little bit too, is Richmond at this present point are supposed to host the Adelaide Crows at the MCG. There are still talks potentially this game could be moved to the Adelaide Oval to get Richmond out of Victoria. If any more cases start to pop up, we will keep an eye on that, but let's tip it as we speak, as if it were to go as regular Richmond versus Adelaide at the MCG. I'm going to take the Tigers. I think Adelaide is so high off this win over Melbourne. Usually the next game, the team comes out a little bit flat. And Richmond are getting some of their superstars back. Yes, they're losing Lynch, but I think that actually may help them a little bit because it may speed them up a little bit. Because in 2017, they won the title without Lynch. I'm going to pick Richmond in this because the MCG is so hard to beat Richmond at. I'm going to go the Tigers on this one. Yeah, I'll go the Tigers as well, as, and for the reasons that you were saying. I mean, no Lynch, no problem for me. I, I think that Adelaide are, Adelaide are a tough team to play against, like we've talked about. Um, but I think that what you were saying with the Richmond superstars coming back and starting to get a little bit more healthy bodies in that Richmond list, uh, I think it's going to help them out. And the fact it's at the MCG too. I think that if the game were at the Adelaide Oval, I would still pick the Tigers uh, just because of the quality that they have in that list. But you never know. You, you can never count Adelaide out. And like we've seen from them a couple times this year, they beat Geelong. They beat, um, they beat Melbourne last week at the Adelaide Oval. So it's very tough to beat them. But I'm, I'm going to go with Richmond. Okay, the game that we, you and I, are both looking forward to up at the SCG in Sydney as the Swans take on the Carlton Blues. Do the Swans right the ship after the loss to Frio, or does Carlton come up and really throw Sydney back into the mire of the table? I think Sydney rebounds. I think that they know that they were not good enough over the course of the entire game to get the four points last week, and that's going to be a motivational piece for them. I think that Carlton, yes, they won, but it was against a hapless Hawthorne team. So I think that they're going to be in for a bit of a shock coming up to the MCG to play against Sydney. I, I think that it's going to be an angry Swans looking for a bit of a statement that, yes, they lost last week, but no, they're not out of it by any means. I'm going to go with the Swans here. I'm with you on this one, but this one terrifies me a little bit because this Carlton team can score and they can score big time. And the one thing that really got us in the Frio game was a big forward with good marking and Harry Mackay can scare me a little bit. We still don't have that big, strong defender to be able to take down full forward. So I'm really interested to see how do the Swans handle Harry Mackay. Eddie Betts, I think Harry Cunningham goes on him and I think he, I think he can kind of corral Eddie Betts a little bit. The rest of the 
forward line for Carlton are not as dangerous as, as some of the other forward lines we have faced. So I really want to see who gets Harry Mackay. Is it Dane Rampey or is it Tommy McCartan? Because if Dane Rampey is free, I think that really, really helps Sydney in this. I think Sydney win this, but I think this one is under two goals. I think this is a close game. Carlton is pesky. They they're they're right on the they're right on the cusp of being a good team, but the biggest issue they have is their defense. If Buddy can get going, if Heaney can get going, if Papley can get going, it will be a long day for the Carlton defense. So this one I think is close. I think Sydney win it, but I think this one unfortunately is going to make uh, for another stressful late early evening for us here in the States and for those at the SCG we'll jump to the last game of the round over to the Adelaide Oval as Port come back after squeaking out the game against Collingwood and they host Frio coming off that exhilarating win over the Swans for me Optus Stadium, it is not Frio. Once they leave, Optus Stadium are not as solid. I will go Port here. I think Port at home at the Adelaide Oval is never easy to win there. I will go Port Power, but I think Frio stays in this. Frio will keep this close. I think this will be a fun game as the last game of the round. I think that last week at the MCG against Collingwood was a bit of a wake-up call for the Power. I think that it really kind of woke them up a bit and made them realize, oh, okay, we got to be on and we have to be fully firing if we're going to be able to beat all these teams. And especially against a team like Collingwood, they should have been able to beat fairly easily. So I think that being back at home at the Adelaide Oval is going to help. I think that Frio is a very tough team like you were talking about. They're, they're pesky. They have a lot of really good talent in that team. But I think that Port Adelaide at home will be able to get the job done. It'll be a really fun game but I'm going to go with the power as well. And that will end round 11 and our tips. Another exciting round of footy coming up. I really, really hope the COVID thing gets figured out. I cannot wait, but we have come to it, sir. Our favorite time of the podcast near the end. Always our fun one. It is Brad's crazy stat of the week. Brad, what do we got? Well, we're going to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs because we've been fully entrenched in the magic of the playoffs here. Uh, we're going to go up to the North Division. We're going to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to talk about Willie Nylander. He is the third Maple Leafs player all time over the rich, crazy, illustrious history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Third player to score in each of the first four games of a playoff series. And the others were in 1948 and 1951, Harry Watson and Sid Smith, and both of them did it in a Stanley Cup final. So it's crazy that 70 years later is the third, and it's Willie Nylander for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely incredible. A great one. And since we were talking about it, I had to check really quickly as we speak, as of recording right now, the Islanders lead the Penguins five to three middle second period. Right now, you and I look like we might be right as the Islanders may be sending the Penguins home for the year. Still a period to go, but a nice little 5-3 lead for the Islanders in that series. And ladies and gentlemen, that will be the end of our episode. Another awesome chat filled with tons of information, news, chat, fun, hilariousness. We, we, we gotta love it. I am thoroughly enjoying this. Brad, another awesome episode. Thank you again for joining me, sir. 
Yeah, absolutely, Donnie. And it's going to be really fun this weekend. We've got the Champions League final, the biggest club football game in the world coming up on Saturday. And be glued to the TV for that one, as you will be. Uh, we got a great round of footy coming up. And then, like you said, it's right back upstairs for me and right back to the TV for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we'll have to see if the Islanders can get it done tonight and whether or not the other series will end or if we'll see some game sevens. Cannot wait. Hockey, football, hockey, football, footy, all that. And next week, really cool. We will be previewing some college softball as the College Softball World Series will get started. We will preview the eight teams in the final as that will get started after our recording next week. I cannot wait. We are in the super regional sections and a couple of surprises this year. I cannot wait to chat about that, but we will chat about that next week. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Coach Hess. He is my co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Thank you again, sir. And we will see you again next week.